This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Hey, what's up? Welcome into episode 80 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. 80. Man, we are getting up there. Sometimes I can't believe how long I've been doing this podcast, and other times it feels like I just started it. But such is life, though, am I right? Well, if you live in St. Louis, my guest this week needs no introduction, and his show certainly needs no introduction. And I know we have a lot of people who listen to this podcast across the country, so I'm going to break it down so everyone's in the loop. I'm talking this week to Tony Patrico, one of the members of The Rizzuto Show, which is the morning show on the alternative rock station here in St. Louis, The Point. The Riz Show, it's... It's a monster, okay? I don't really know how else to describe it, but they absolutely dominate this space. It's one of the top morning shows across the country. Millions, and I'm talking millions of podcast downloads, millions of listeners, and these listeners are in. Team Riz is in. They have a rabid fan base. I've really never seen anything like it. Patrico is also the in-game DJ for our St. Louis Battlehawks, so we've gotten to know each other, become friends over the past couple weeks. And let me tell you guys, he is an absolute gem. And now that I've given him that incredibly, incredibly generous introduction, let's bring him in, shall we? I'm sitting here right now in studio with my man, Tony Patrico. Patrico, what's up? Thanks for taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm sure after you get up at 2.45 in the morning and do your entire show that this was really, really exciting for you to get one more thing to do on your list. Yeah, I was like, you know what I really want to do is stay in this building just (laughs) a little bit longer and uh, talk to uh, somebody that I see almost every day and this time have a microphone shoved in my face. Yeah, it sounds ideal. But, you know, we didn't used to see each other every day. We were kind of ships in the night. I mean, you've been working here at Hubbard for, what, a year and a half? Almost two years. Now, two years, yeah. It was just our two-year anniversary, March 1st. That's crazy. Yeah. Time has flown. But I was on the morning show with Bernie. You're mm-hmm. obviously on the Riz show, the morning show on The Point. So we never really interacted. And even after I left the show, we haven't really hung out until now we're both doing the in-game stuff for the Battle Now Hawks. we're like besties. I know. We kind of are. It's pretty cool. I know. So, what? okay, this will be welcome. interesting. No, you're welcome. What is the most surprising thing about me? Because when Man. we when we were hanging Salacious. out on Saturday night, we went to King Scott's bachelor party. Right. Yes, a 38-year-old virgin's bachelor party. Correct. I was in attendance. Burton said to me, Jeff Burton, one of your co-hosts, was like, what are you doing here? You got to get yeah. out of here. You're too classy for this. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? Why would you say that? And he's like, I don't know. It just seems like this would not be your scene. And I thought... I bet those guys or the people from The Point probably have a different interpretation of me than I actually am. You are 100% correct. Okay, tell um, me. Before actually, like, sitting down and getting to know you, and especially, like, with us both working for the Battlehawks, yeah. having a little bit more of, uh, of conversations, you know— from the outside looking in, and it sucks to judge a book by its cover. It really does. <laughs> totally. It's never fun to do that. Um, but there is a certain, I don't want to say. See, Go like, ahead, I say don't, it. No, I don't want to say there's a certain, like. There's a trust tree here. Stereotype or certain, like, way that people are viewed. But, like, I look at you and I go, wow, this is, this is a female in sports radio who was at ESPN, the mothership, as they say, mm-hmm. and is now back here in her hometown, there is a sort of like, this chick ain't going to roll with us. We're a bunch of dirty Hoosiers talking about rock music and fake boobs. Like, <laughs> right. there's no way this chick is even, She we walk by her and she goes, grouse. <laughs> like that, I mean, that's what it kind of, that's what like, if you before you get to know somebody, if I just was walking through the bookstore and I saw the Michelle Smallman book, that's what I would think. 
not by any fault of your own. No, I was in my mind trying to think of what my book cover would look like. There's a lot of wind. <laughs> There's a lot and a mountain. Oh, so yeah. it's nature based. Well, you're on top of that mountain. Oh, okay. And there's like somebody that sort of looks like Fabio behind you, like, hey. Oh, so it's a romance novel. Maybe. Hot. I don't know. I'm into it. Know. What would your book cover look like? It'd be a mess. <laughs> It'd be there'd be a lot of hair. A there'd lot be of hair. <laughs> I don't know. It'd probably look like the most hype concert you've ever been to. I love that. And I would be on stage because I'm I got a huge ego. Because you're the DJ. Yeah, you're damn right. I would be have you seen um the Queen movie? Yeah. It would be like when they're at that concert at the end and you're Freddie Mercury yeah. and everyone you can just see you on stage with, right every, on. with the I'm entire to- crowd. I'm totally down with that. I love that. Well Let's the reason I asked you that about me is because I had a certain impression of you and oh, all of the boy. guys on your show. Okay, now I'm interested. Yeah, exactly. So now let's crack this book wide oh, open. Let me right? start paying attention. <laughs> I know. Hold on. Okay. And it's so funny because we've been in the same building now for two years yeah. and we've never really known each other. Right. See, it's so funny that you thought that about me because you guys are at the top of the mountain. Your show is so yeah. incredibly successful. It's a monster. And now even being in the same building and spending time with you, which yeah. we'll get to later, it's been so crazy for me to see how people react to you guys and your fan base. But I just thought, oh, these are the superstars. These are the celebrities in the building. They don't want to talk to me. They're probably like, who's that girl? I'm on the wrist show. I don't need to talk to her. Get out of here. That's one thing that you will, and you, you probably already have, but for those listening that will actually, like, meet us, one of the number one things we hear is, Holy crap, you guys are like normal dudes. 100% true. And, and we are. Like, that's one of the main things that I think all five of us on the show have strived to continue is regardless if two people listen to our show or 2,000 or 2 billion, we are still going to be the same people. Yep. When you see us at Schnooks with our family or you see us at DB's with our buddies or if you see us on stage at Point Fest, we are the same guy. A hundred percent. And it's not guy. characters. No. And you guys are all so nice and you're, there's a warmness about all of you that it's almost as if you don't realize how famous you are in St. Louis and nationally, but it's crazy to me. I be- try not to think about it because it kind of creeps we- me out a little weird, bit. It's weird, right? It really creeps me out. Okay. Well, I was with you this weekend at King Scott's bachelor party we mentioned yeah. and- I've been to Pops twice in my life, Mm -hmm. which is a concert venue here in St. Louis for the people who are listening from out of town. And it's a a fairly big building. But for me to walk in with you, you couldn't even get two steps without people bombarding you. Selfie, Patrico, what's up? I I made this shirt for you. You guys have an intense fan base, and that has to be weird. It's it's a little strange, and uh, it never gets, you know, well— I don't want to say it never gets annoying, uh, but very rarely do listeners take it to there. I mean, they're very respectful. Yeah. Uh, they're very, very awesome. When when I am somewhere with my kids, you know, they say, you know, hey, I don't want to bother you. I know you're with kids, but, uh, you know, I would have, I you know, kicked myself in the butt if I didn't stop and say, hey, I love the show. Thanks, yeah. man. Appreciate it. Right. I've, I've said this on the air a bunch. I have one firm rule, one firm rule, whether it be, you know, out to dinner with you as friends or, or, or you know, on a date with a lady mm-hmm. or at dinner, you know, breakfast with my kids. Sure. You could come up to me and say hello at any time unless there's food in front of me. <laughs> because when there's food in front of me, like, I don't want you reaching over my food. You know, I'm usually trying to help my kids eat yep. or, you know, especially if it's a date, like, that's a moment where, like, you're actually eating and you're, there's no conversation happening and you're actually, like trying to do something normal by eating food, 
I don't need you to be putting your elbows in my Caesar salad just to tell me, man, headline hooge is hilarious. <laughs> like, just wait until I'm done eating. You could come before and say hello. As soon as they take my plate away, you can come say what's up. I'm totally down with that. But when there is food in front of me and I am eating, just wait. Just wait. You know, that's hilarious that you say that because the first time we hung out after the Battlehawks game, we got pizza and beer and Four people came over to tell you how much they love you, and we were eating pizza, and I yep. was mid-bite. I know I was, you were. I had I, dipped you, the slice in ranch. You don't I think I saw mid- that? You don't think I saw that? <laughs> and they're like, hey, can we take your picture? I was like, really? I have ranch all over myself. And they're fantastic. Those, those, they those were folks amazing. over there were fantastic. But again, that is another prime example. And if they end up hearing this, I'm not singling you out or, or, or giving you trouble. But like when people are intoxicated, yep. they, and, and if you noticed- I don't even think she realized the love of the lady. She said the same thing 28 times. In a row? <laughs> I knew that was you. And then I heard your voice, and I had to come over and say, hey. I was like, oh, I appreciate it and so much. And it's my birthday. And then she goes, and I was like, I'm normally not this person. I'm normally not. But I saw she was you, so sweet. and I heard your voice, and I had to come say, hey. I'm like, thank you. And appreciate I'm just it. over here being like, can I just finish this slice or what's up? <laughs> you got cheese hanging out from your I know, lip. and that's the thing. For people that come over, they're probably thinking, okay, we have to time this right. We, right. we love Patrick Girl. Of course. They listen to you every morning. You're right. a part of their day. So yeah. they're very excited. So they're not thinking, oh, wow, who's that person with him that's, you know, shoving buffalo chicken pizza in her face? They're thinking, okay, I'm working up the courage to go do this. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something that, uh, you know, when we're out and about that I understand. Like, I mean, there was a time, this was years ago, before the show even really super took off, that I was at Schnucks and I was shopping and a guy next to me made me sign his gallon of milk. <laughs> and as I was doing it, I said out loud, I'm like, what is, what is happening? What is this? And he was like, oh, man, this is the coolest moment of my life. And I looked at him, I go, this is the weirdest of mine. Is that the weirdest thing you've autographed? Uh, I've I've autographed babies before. I autographed an actual baby. Um <laughs> It was very strange. Boobs, I'm sure, right? I've autographed boobs. I've autographed uh, male and female butts. <laughs> um, yes, very true. Uh, I've autographed diapers. I've, I, we, I mean, listen, our listeners are awesome, but bizarre. So whatever they have. Of all things, a diaper. Whatever they have, we will sign it. I mean, they truly, like, I have signed things where I have told them, like, I don't know if you want me to sign that. And they're like, please. And I'm like, I'm going to say this to you one more time. I do not know if you want me to sign this, but I will sign it. And then he said, please. And I signed his game-worn Vladimir Tarasenko jersey. And he had all the dudes on the show sign it. That's actually pretty cool. I guess so. And then get Vladdy on there and you're set. Uh, okay. <laughs> you you seem more disconcerted about that than you do a diaper. Of course, because a diaper, who cares? This is a Vladimir Tarasenko jersey that he wore on the ice. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko is still essentially in his prime as an NHL player. Maybe a little past it, but I mean. We'll see when he comes back. There is a potential for that to actually be worth some money. Without any autographs on it, that is worth some money. You get him to sign it, it is worth even more. Mm-hmm. Hell, it's just a cool piece of sports history to have and now you've got vladimir tarasenko's game worn jersey signed by five dummies from st louis that talk on the radio every morning see but when i think about that i think about this person who's most likely from st louis born, of course, born and cool raised for him. and 
the blues are as synonymous with his life and his entertainment and his enjoyment every day as The Point and The Rizzuto Show are. Well, why don't you stop making sense then, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's got to be, uh, you guys are so normal and unaffected mm-hmm. by all of this, but at some point, does it ever become normalized to you to say, hey, we have millions of fans. We are the number one show in town for years and years. We are the most downloaded podcast in the state of Missouri and the state of Illinois. People spend their money to make sure to support the things that we support because they are so ride or die for us. Does that ever become normalized to you? Yeah, of course it does. And uh, it becomes kind of normalized when, like, I can just walk into Hollywood Casino Amphitheater and I don't, you know, I don't have to show a ticket and I don't have to do that. And, you know, I walk in there and there's a little, it's a little bit of an ego boost and I'm it's sure. a little bit of a, oh, this is pretty awesome. It's a flex. I mean, it's kind of a flex. Come on, yeah. it's a flex. And, and, and listen, I would be lying to you if I would say like, it isn't cool to sit back and go, wow, I'm part of, and I mean, the our show, The Riz Show, even though at times we talk about very juvenile things. Mm-hmm. We have set St. Louis radio records. Yes, you have. For, like, longest-running number one morning radio show. Yeah. And we're talking all the big stations, all the big names, anybody that's a who's who in St. Louis radio, we have beat them. hmm You can't not see that. Like, you can not acknowledge it, and you can see it and then move on, but you can't not see that. I mean, like... There's a reason you get into any profession, whether it be professional sports, whether it be radio, whether it be sales at a shoe store. You don't go and take a job as a salesman at a shoe store and go, man, I hope I sell just enough shoes to get by. No, you go there and go, I'm going to be the best salesman, and then I'm going to hopefully get a promotion or get a raise, Mm -hmm. and then eventually I want to own this company. I mean, you, nobody goes into a job and goes, hey, I'm going to do an okay job so I can just kind of make okay money so that I can just kind of be okay with my life. No, some people are that complacent. Right. You're and not, which is, is why person? you're so successful. And who is that person, though? The person that does that, though, is the people that will disappear. They will disappear. Yep. They will live their full lives, but no, they will completely disappear. Since I was a child, I've always wanted to be in people's minds, not necessarily be the center of attention, not necessarily be the guy that, oh, man, I want to be that guy. But I've always wanted to be noticed or seen, whether it be through acting or sports or radio or just doing dumb Chris Farley type comedy. I've always wanted to be that guy. And I've always told myself that no matter what I do, whether it be and I use the shoe example because I worked at, at finish line for 12 years. I thought you were going to say shoe carnival. Nah, come on. <laughs> don't, be, don't be silly, Michelle. Um, no matter what job I've taken, I've always said, if I'm going to commit to a job, I'm going to give it 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I've done no matter what I've, I've been involved in. Is It's gotten 100% of my effort, my attention, and my passion while I'm there. That's so interesting that you've always wanted to be seen because mm-hmm. I was kind of the opposite. I was the producer behind the scenes for yeah. for 10 years that just happened to get on air. And it's, I don't like being seen. Yeah. It's a weird feeling for me. I don't like it. It's not my normal state. Mm-hmm. I watch you. I watch the guys that you work with. I watch Lux. I watch mm-hmm. Randy Carricker. Some people are just comfortable in that space. They're comfortable being adored in a way. Yeah. I am not. What's What's funny is um, it's a gift, though, to be able to do that and do it well. Right. It's almost It's almost comical because 
I'm more nervous. I was more nervous the two minutes that I was sitting in this chair before you said, all right, let's go. <laughs> really? Yeah. And as soon as you go, all right, here I am with Tony Patrico, I'm like, whoop. As soon as the I'm, light goes now on. I'm in the, now I'm in the mode. Yeah. Now I'm in the zone. You know, the, the, some of my most nerve-wracking times working in professional sports for the Blues and now for the Battlehawks was that hour before game time. Because mm-hmm. that hour before game time, I'm running through everything in my head. Do I have the right songs picked out? Do I know what I'm going to say when they go to me? Do I know what I'm going to do if something does go wrong? But once I'm in the mix, it's go time. Right. So I DJ weddings, too. And prep the week leading up to the wedding, I am a disaster. My stomach hurts. I feel like I'm going to vomit. I lose sleep over it. And I've done this for 15 years. But the second that goes away, the second I know something is not right. You know, that means because I've lost my drive to do it. When it becomes just over and over and over, the same routine, the same routine, something's wrong. So that ner- those nerves, that nervous energy, once that goes away, then your drive is gone. Mm-hmm. Your passion for whatever you're doing is gone because then you don't care anymore. Totally. So, and unfortunately, unfortunately, I started to kind of get that when I worked for the St. Louis Blues last year. Really? Now, it had to do with a lot of stuff. One of the main things was is I was really missing out on time with my kids. That's so hard. 41 games is a long time. Yep. Plus, if you're adding more games because of the postseason. Which we did. Which we did. <laughs> all of them. Yep. Um, Every single one up till game seven. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it, was, it was really tough. And I was going in right around November, the end of November, I was going to the arena and I was dreading driving down there. I was dreading being there. And the second that the game was over, I was throwing my stuff in my bag and I was getting the hells out. And it was at that point where I was like, man. This isn't right. Something is going on. I got to figure out what it is. So I sat down with Chris Kerber. I had a conversation with him, and I literally said to him, man, like, I'm re- I love doing this. I have so much fun doing this, but lately I don't know if the fun outweighs the fact that I'm dreading coming here. And it's not that I was dreading coming there because I didn't want to do it anymore. Sure. I wanted to do it. Again, it was the coolest job on the planet. I was literally playing the music that was in the arena for my favorite professional sports team. Getting the fans hyped up. Getting the fans hyped up. Talking on the microphone going, come on, Blues fans, let's hear you. When, you know, five years prior to that, I was the guy in the stands going, man, I like this song. Or, man, they should play this song right now. Or they should do this. Now I had that opportunity. I had the ability to do it. And here I am now facing the the internal battle of do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. And eventually I decided that as fun as it was, I wanted to be able to be at home with my kids. I wanted to be able to take my kids to a game, not have my kids go to a game and turn around and go, hey, kiddos, and then go back to doing what I do. Right. You know, so when the opportunity came for me to kind of step out, and which a lot of people thought that when the Stanley Cup up, he quit, he was out. Yep. That wasn't the case. What ended up happening was in November, I informed my boss, hey, this is my last year. And he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, man, this is my last year. Now, remember, in November, the team was still horrendous. Oh, my gosh. They were almost in dead last. Yeah, horrendous. So... A lot of people, and I was at that time worried, like, man, the Blues lose and Patrico bails out. Like, what a, what a punk, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were going to think it's a punk move. Luckily for me, the team turned things around and ended up uh, winning the Stanley Cup. I don't know if you heard about that or not. I've heard, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. 
And uh, so I, I got to go out on top. And, and to top things off, I got myself a Stanley Cup ring, which was awesome. Yeah, I've so. seen it. It's a, We talk about flex. That is the ultimate flex. Yeah, it's, it's got your it's name incredible. on it. I mean, it's personalized. It. Yeah. That's sick. It's wild. But it's funny because we started this conversation talking about how you've always wanted to be seen and how if yeah, you're going to do a job, about kids. Yeah. you're going to do it 100%. But I'm the same way. I just announced right before I taped with you that I'm stepping away from Anthony Stalter's show because I am doing a social digital job, this podcast, the Battle yeah. Hawks, and then I was filling in for Jamie for four months to do yeah. four hours of radio. Right. And it's amazing how life and your priorities shift because let's say five years ago, six years ago, mm -hmm. both of us, if you would have told us, hey, you're going to have all these opportunities. You're going to be hosting four hours of radio in your hometown and it's going to be killing it. You're going to be doing stuff with the Battle Hawks and the yeah. Blues. You would have died for those oh, opportunities. Died melted, for them. Melted, yeah. But then when you get in it, sometimes you're like, there is more to life than this, whether right. it's your kids or your family or your health. Like for me, when I was on the Bernie show, I was like, I am deteriorating as a person. I cannot work these hours anymore. It's killing me. The pressure, the stress, the lack of sleep, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And you just have to reassess. And I think that, you know, it's a sign of maturity, Tony, that we can take a step back and say there's, but it also is a sign that you've had some success to where you are confident in yourself that you know you can take some stuff off your plate and still be at a certain level. Right, yeah. And now you can actually be picky almost. Yeah. You know, you can be picky. And regardless, you know, you know, you say, "Hey, I'm I'm not going to be on on the on the air as much anymore, or whatever." You know, you pop in from here or there. When I say I'm not going to be DJing for the blues anymore, of course, people immediately are like, "What? Uh, I can't believe this guy. <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe it. You're the dumbest person ever." I'm like, "That's fine," and and I completely get it. But until you walk a mile in our shoes, yep. you'll never know. You'll never you'll know. You'll never know. You know, there was a time, and this was the main deciding factor on why I left the Blues last year. Wednesday, the Blues had a home game. So I was down there, didn't see my kids. Thursday, I had an event with the radio station, didn't see my kids. Friday, the Blues had a home game, didn't see my kids. Saturday, I had a wedding that I had to DJ. I saw my kids for three hours on Saturday morning. And then Sunday, I had an event at the uh, at DB Sports Bar where I was at. And then when I came home, the kids were at my parents' house. So in a span of five days, I saw my kids for three hours. Oh, that's rough. Out. Out. Right. I'm sorry. Out. 100%. So. And it's been cool because I'm sure that you when you did step away from the blues, miss that live in-game environment because mm -hmm. your adrenaline is probably through of the roof. Course. It's something that once you taste it, you want it more and more. Yeah, of course. So it's probably been cool for you to get that with the St. Louis Battlehawks, but on a more streamlined basis where it's not multiple games a week. It's a couple home games, but you get to come in there, something that's a new, fresh product, and put your stamp on it, but still get that taste. Right, and, uh, you know, there is a lot of... Uh... <laughs> There's a lot of old heads that uh, are at the Blues games, which yeah. they're amazing. And, and I absolutely love all those, you know, season ticket holders that have had tickets for, you know, 35, 40 plus years. Oh, yeah. Um, but there is, I found in hockey, a lot of people that are set in their ways. So when things change. <laughs> yeah. I guess, and, especially uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. And you take away, you know, you take away the ACDC, you know, Hell's Bells or Highway to Hell or, you know, any of that stuff. You take that Thunderstruck. away. Thunderstruck. And you play, you know, some EDM song. What the hell is this noise? You know, and it's and it's and understandably so that it's a change and change is sometimes difficult. But now with the Battlehawks, there is no norm. We are currently creating the norm. Yep. 
So it's a lot of fun, and it's a blast to be able to be handed essentially a blank canvas and go, you now can write the rules here. Yeah. I mean, there are no rules right now. You get to write them. You get to say what is the protocol for Battlehawks music. It's on you now. And that's awesome. That's fantastic to be on the ground floor for that. It really is cool. You know, so many things I look back on in my career and I'm like, man, that was awesome. And I wish mm-hmm. I could have savored it more. I feel like with the Battle Hawks, I am really cognizant of how special this is, mm-hmm. what yeah. we're building and what's happening. And listen, I don't know what's going to happen with the XFL, but all I know is that I have never seen the city galvanize around something so quickly and something that's brand new that they don't even know. And it's been so fun. Yeah. Every time we go in that dome, it's like a big party. It's awesome. It sure is. And, and you're the guy in the corner with your iPod yeah. <laughs> playing the tunes. I'm, I'm trying to keep that party lit, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's funny because this is my first, you know, kind of taste of professional sports was, and I don't even know if you remember this, the St. Charles Chill. No, I the don't. The St. Charles Chill was a- I'm an oh, Illside girl. Come yeah, on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the St. Charles Chill was a, a, a minor league hockey team that they tried to put in the family arena. And they were in the league with, I guess, the ECHL, I guess is what it was called. I don't even know at this point. Pretty sure that it folded anyway. But the team lasted one season. Nobody was ever there. Attendance was maybe 500 per game. Nobody was there. And, again, it was one of those things where why would you – I don't want to say why would you go to that, but, like, a lot of the games were on the same nights as Blues games. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you have an opportunity to go to a Blues game or a minor league hockey game, which one are you going to go to? You're going to go out to the Blues game. Sure. Here, th- if you want to watch football in St. Louis, this is what you got. Yeah. And and people are coming out and people are treating this like it is a professional sports game. And that's exactly what I believe the XFL has the potential to be. I don't think it's ever going to, you know, people are like, oh, well, eventually the NFL might kind of adopt them as like their own. No, it's never going to be that. But Mm -hmm. what it does have the potential to be is to be sort of a feeder system, but that healthy alternative. When the Super Bowl is over, you know the next weekend there's more football. It's XFL football. It's different, but it's still football, and people are going to get behind this. And I think in St. Louis for sure, we're already there. Oh, 100% 100% we are there. already there. And you know what's crazy to me, too, is my role with the team is that I'm kind of like the sideline reporter, mm-hmm. and I've dealt with professional athletes my entire career. Yeah. I've never been – well, I shouldn't say that because this past Blues team really got it with St. Louis. Yeah. They got it right. so hard. But they had been in St. Louis, a lot of those guys, for years and mm-hmm. years and years. Yeah. So it takes a while to understand us sometimes. This group of Battlehawks players has been in town, what, five months maybe? Yeah. They've had two games here, and – in talking to them, I've never been around a group of guys that gets it more. Yeah. That gets our city. I also think that a lot of that has to, you have to give some credit to the team management and the league itself. Mm-hmm. Because I think they have been very proactive in informing their guys and educating their guys. Like, hey... You're a member of the St. Louis Battlehawks or the Seattle Dragons or the D.C. Defenders. Here's a little bit about your city. Here's how your city kind of reacts to some things. Here's some stuff that your city likes. And I think that is a calculated plan so they can sit there and go, this is how you can connect to these guys. Because, listen, places like Seattle, they got the Seahawks. Yeah. You're going to have your diehard Seahawks fans there. 
are people really going to latch on to the Seattle Dragons? I mean, people that like the game of football, that want to watch football after the Super Bowl, sure. But you got to give them something. Yep. What can you give them? You can give them that personal touch, that personal interaction. The fact that I may be able to go to some bar and sit down at a table at a Seattle Dragons you know, hype event, and there's the quarterback right there, and he's going to come up to my table and talk to me. So that's the thing that I think that the league and that the teams have done a great job, especially here in St. Louis, to where these guys, I mean, you and me both, we've connected with our boy Marquette King. Oh, yeah. He's a blast. He's fantastic. The dude is great. And, like, I've interacted with him more in two weeks than I have pretty much any professional athlete in St. Louis in the history that I've lived here. Totally. You want to talk about not judging a book by its cover. That guy is so interesting. Yeah, Fascinating. If you don't sit down with him, it's a disservice to everybody that listens to this. Yeah, I need to. I know. I need to talk to the team. And he'll do it, too. That's the the, the best part about it is in getting to know athletes, sometimes they're cool with you Mm -hmm. off mic. But when you're like, hey, we need you to do this interview, they're like, really? I don't want to do it. It's like, come on. You know me. Do me a solid here. He'd be like, yeah, whatever. You need me to come in? I'm there. Yeah. Yeah, he's if I awesome. asked him to pick me up Burger King, he'd probably do that too. You know, I mean, Should just we ask him to pick us know, up probably. some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> what okay. time is it? I mean, it is lunchtime. I mean, it is lunchtime. Okay, well, this has taken more of a serious turn than I thought. So while we're here, let's just continue down this road. Okay. So you have had a very inspirational weight loss journey that oh, yeah. you've documented very intensely on social media, which yeah. has been awesome. And you've lost all this weight. You've been such an inspiration to so many people. Do you find that losing weight has made you less of an asshole? Wow. Thank you, Michelle. Um, you know that was planted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did my dad help you write these questions? Or uh, uh, No, I'm just as big as an asshole, uh, of an asshole as I was back then. So. Who do you think planted that one? Riz, probably. No. Who? So I Tommy asked, the boss. No, not Tommy. Moon. So I, no, you're so wrong. Jeff Burton. Burton. Of course he did. Only oh, damn it. You want to know why I should have known that? Is because every single time we're at an event, every single time somebody comes up and they go, oh, my God, you look great. And Jeff Byrne goes, he's still an asshole. <laughs> I, I saw him in the hall. I was like, hey, I'm interviewing Petruco for my podcast. What's one question to ask him? And he's like, oh, ask him if he's yeah. if he's lost weight, if it's made of less of I asshole. would go give him crap about that, but he's so damn old that he'll probably forget <laughs> that he even told you to say it. So. Probably. But for real, though, what's that been like for you? Not only to be someone that brings so much joy to people because you're on the air and you're funny and you bring a lightness to their day, but so many people, I was looking at your Instagram yesterday, have been inspired by you and have taken action with their life, discernible action to make their life healthier. Yeah, I actually use, you know, when people say, wow, you're such a huge motivation, you've actually got me back to the gym and I'm down 12 pounds. Or, you know, somebody said, hey, uh, I've always wanted to do weight loss surgery. I've always been scared. I saw that you did it, and, you know, now I'm going through the necessary steps to do it as well. I use that as motivation, Mm -hmm. you know, because now this guy's looking up to me. This guy is going to the gym, and he's working out, and he's trying to better his life because of me. So what is that going to do if I fail or if I give up? That's then going to tell this person that it's okay if they give up. And I can't live with that. I, that's, I can't do that. That's a heavy responsibility. So now I'm using that as motivation. So anytime that I'm like, man, I want to give this up. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard and then go home and drink a 12-pack of beer. Sounds like, awesome. That's what I want to do. I sit back and I go, I can't do that because now all these people are invested in me just like the the, the company that did the weight loss surgery, that, that doctor, he invested in, in me that way as well mm-hmm. by going, hey, I think this is what you can do, and I think you can have great success by doing it. 
So now I've got all these people that are looking up to me. So I use that as motivation. It's at times very, very, very crazy because, you know, I see somebody and they're like, oh, my God, you look absolutely fantastic. And I constantly tell people the fact that I'm not wearing a 4X shirt anymore and I'm wearing an XL is great. The fact that I'm not wearing size 48 pants and I'm wearing a size 36 pants is great. That's all awesome. But the fact that I can walk up a flight of steps and not feel like somebody literally stole the breath out of my lungs is even better. The fact that I can go outside and chase my kids for 30 minutes and not be spent the rest of the day, that's what makes it all worth it for me. So it's something that I liked being the funny fat guy. I still inside am the funny fat guy. But nobody can live quality life and nobody can expect to live a long quality life at 403 pounds. You just can't do it. No, you can't. And, And that's where I was at. I always tell people that I was the clown. On the outside, smiling, laughing, having a good time. Inside, holy hell, I was miserable. Miserable. Happy as hell with my kids, my family, my job, all that stuff. But I was miserable inside because in the back of my head, I go, this could all be over at any second. Any second. Sure. Any second. So I knew there was something that I had to do. And by nobody's fault but my own, as far as giving up on weight loss, giving up on diets, giving up on exercise, everything else failed. This was literally like the last option for me. And luckily, this worked. And did you have a breaking point where you're like, I'm just going to go do it? I can't live this way anymore? Or was it a gradual road there? Um... There were a couple things that kind of uh, that kind of pushed me, that kind of motivated me to do it. I think one of the main things was the fact that uh, we had a trip, a family trip planned to Disney mm-hmm. with the kids, and I knew that if I was continuing the way I was going to, I wasn't fitting on any roller coasters. We were driving down there. I knew I was going to be in a car for 16 hours. That would have been horrendous. I knew I wasn't going to be able to walk around Disney for four straight days without being absolutely miserable. So I wanted to make sure that I was ready to go so I can have my kids have an enjoyable trip. And so that's why I was like, now is the time to do this. That's amazing. Super proud of you. Keep it up. Great work. And now that we're talking about major life choices, Tony, at what point in life did you decide to give up on your dream of being a white rapper? You suck so bad. You suck so bad. Um, <laughs> what a jerk. Um, never, because uh, that dream is still alive, Michelle. Uh, I'm crying. I'm laughing so much. <laughs> you suck so bad. You had I no knew, idea I was I knew, going there. No, I you? knew when I sent you that that it, what a mistake that was. What a mistake. It's so, way better than I thought it would be. So in high school, it all started in high school. Okay. Me and my buddy Zach, okay, we decided that uh, we were going to start a rap group because it was right around, like, you know, Eminem was was huge. Yeah. We're like, if he can do it, we can do it. Beastie Boys can do it, we can do it. Yep. If they can do it, we can do it. So we created a group called FT and Zho. FT spelled E-F-F-T-E-E, but it stood for Fat Tony. Okay. All right? And uh, he was more the, he was more the Flava Flav. And I was more the lyrical gangster. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, I would I would write everything. I would spit the rhymes, and he would just kind of go, uh huh, uh huh, yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> he was the puff daddy. He was the puff daddy. To yes. your biggie yes. smalls. He was the puffy to my biggie. Yes, that is that is a great way to put it. And so um, we put together these really stupid, funny songs, which I haven't even sent you those, and I don't know if I will. Please do. No, I doubt it. 
And uh, I listened to the songs oh, you sent me while I brushed my teeth in the yeah. morning. I'm just like, yes. Maybe maybe they were in there. I'm not 100% sure. But, I mean, like, we wrote, like, songs and, and, and had songs about, like, just getting drunk. I mean, we were 15, 16 years old. And they were songs about getting drunk and being arrested and, Oh, my God, you're you so know, violence. illegal. You're such a and rebel. We're, we're like, we're like what? we know nothing about this. There's a whole song I wrote about, it's this guy rapping for, from prison who's rapping about how he's going to get out of prison. And thank God he's free. But he's not free. He just died. And that's how he gets his freedom. Oh, my God. I wrote this whole song. by Shawshank? I don't know. No, Michelle, I wrote this whole song and it's like this whole, it's like a, like a novella and like out of nowhere, I, I rapped the song and afterwards we're like, what the hell are we doing? We're two 16 year old white dudes from Florissant. Like what is wrong with us? Like I go, I'm going to, I go to CBC. Like this is silly. I go to Christian Brothers College High School. So hard right now. But you know what? Don't disrespect yourself and your flow because you had it. No, oh, well, thank you very much. And then so we would go to parties. Oh my god. And we were at parties, people would then challenge people to freestyle against me. And so we would have rap battles at parties. And it was very funny because we would go to any party and, you know, in North County growing up, if we went to a Hazelwood Central party or a Hazelwood East party, there would be people rapping there. It just like everybody thought they were a rapper at this time. Okay. And so, you know, we're in the corner and people are rapping. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, this guy wants to do it. Now, I hung out with a bunch of preppy friends. We all had our Abercrombie and Fitch and American Eagle stuff on. And I would show up and they'd go, okay, this guy, yeah, sounds good. And then I would slay these guys. And they would be like, oh, my God, instant respect. And then all of a sudden they found out I worked at Finish Line, so I was the Finish Line man. And, like, it was instant cred, and it was awesome. Then I realized how silly we were. Yeah. And the dream died. And then when I got out of college, lived on my own, it's like, I'm bored. I'm going to see if I can get back into this. (laughs) So I fired it up, created some new songs. I was like, this is great. And then I was like, this is stupid again. And then I stopped. I don't think. I think we should resurrect the dream and i think we need to play some of your jams on your show uh no um <laughs> we did play some so we have an uncensored podcast which is kind of like there's it's the show after the show it's called the worst of the week myself and the 38 year old virgin king scott are on it uh you should come on that show by the way okay anytime um but we've played some on those and scott dared me and challenged me to freestyle rap at one point so we did that on that show oh i have to catch that <sighs> And people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you had it in you. It was incredible. Like, I had Scott throw out topics, and I rapped about, like, an apple tree and marionettes. Okay, well, now the gauntlet has been thrown. Okay. It was ridiculous. I want you to rap. No, I'm not doing it right now. You can't? Come on. First off, there's no damn music. Oh, yeah. You can't just pull it out like B-Rabbit? Probably not. No. You like how I use B-Rabbit? Another white I like what you did there. I like what you did there. I, in college, used to, I had the DVD of 8 Mile, and I used to watch it on loop. Loved that movie. Great. It's still a fantastic movie. You watch it now, and you're like, whoa, this is still classic. It might hold up, huh? Yeah, it does hold up. So yesterday was the 20th anniversary of Nellie dropping Country Grammar, yep. which, first of all, made me feel 100 years old. Of course. But I went back and listened to the whole album. I'm like, man, this still plays. This is still Sticky so Thick Girl. Is that your favorite song on the album? No, but that song came up the other day, and I was so like, oh, good. man. What's your favorite song on Country Grammar? Probably Ride With Me. So good. I always want to say EI just because the opening of that song, yep. nothing got a house party going like the yeah. opening of EI, but Loving Me. I mean, Nelly good. was Drake before Drake was Drake. Oh, yeah. Nelly does not get enough credit for his sing emotional rapping that he does. I don't right. even know what the terminology is for it, but, you know, throw some respect on Nelly's name. Yeah. 
the dirty versions. You remember that? The the remix album? Oh, remember Sweat and Suit, double CD? Oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that that version of uh of Ride With Me where it's him and John Mayer. I don't know if you know this or not about me, but John Mayer, I would I would I would do things to John Mayer. Go on. John Mayer is sexual dynamite. Oh, well, he called Jessica Simpson sexual napalm. I know. So, wow, sexual napalm and sexual dynamite together sounds, man, ma- sounds I mean, messy. Listen, Michelle, you respect the man's name, okay? <laughs> well, you know, the co-host normally of this podcast, Steve Cerruti, dies for John Mayer. I literally met up with him in New York after he saw John Mayer live, and he couldn't even speak. Basically, he was just like, I bought a $40 T-shirt. I'm obsessed. It was the best show I've ever been to. I almost cried when I missed his show here in St. Louis. It was recent, too, a couple months ago, right? Sure was. Why did you miss it? Sure was. I had kids stuff going on. But Man. at least it was a good reason. Damn. But, yes, I mean, that is my guy. Have you seen him live? Twice. And? Incredible. I, the first time I went, we went with a group of people, and I went in as a hater. And I was like, John Mayer sucks. <laughs> I'm like, this is stupid. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm like, ooh, your body is a wonderland. This is incredible. You're like, have you listened to the deep tracks on Continuum? Unbelievable. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I do want to run through the halls of my high school. This so, is what I want to do. So is he number one for you? As far as? Musicians. He's your guy? I, I guess so, yeah. I would wow. say. Yeah, probably. I got to tell you, I would never peg you as a John Mayer guy. Yeah. This is why you don't judge a book by its cover. You got it. A couple months ago, I went and saw Celine Dion in concert. Moon stops me. He's like, do you understand my love for Celine? And I said, I don't. And I would have never guessed that out of you. Yeah. Moon lives for Celine. Oh, it's it's scary. See, because I never got the opportunity to listen to your show, so I didn't know these things about you. Oh, yeah. John, anytime we talk John Mayer, all the guys give me so much crap. They're like, you better calm down a little bit, Patrico. Just want to let you know there's some John Mayer news coming up. And I go, don't you dare talk bad about him. You want to know something funny? Yeah. I once got drunk and DM John Mayer. He did not reply. Oh, I did the same thing. <laughs> he, I DM'd him because he's best friends with Andy Cohen. Yeah. And he was coming to St. Louis on his concert. And I was like, yo, St. Louis, Andy Cohen, you have to come on my podcast because I wanted to surprise Saruti. Yeah. He did not respond. Well, that's John did bogus. not respond. I know. But you know what? I am In my mind, I told myself it was probably some intern that actually runs his account. And she, I'm Never sure even she, relayed the message. She's probably wading through like a ton of nudes that he gets every day from women and guys like you. So I just, mm-hmm. I didn't take it personally, That's John. the main reason I lost all the weight, so I can step up my nude game for John Mayer. <laughs> I'm glad we settled that on this. Yeah. Thank you for being so open and brave. You're welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. Okay, well, I know you have to get going, so I want to end this with some senior superlatives for the Riz Show. Okay. So there's five members of the show. I was going to say, can I name yourself? Myself? Yes. Okay, so we've got Riz, we've got Burton, you, Moon, and King Scott. Okay. So I'm going to give you a most likely to blank, and then you tell me which member of the show is most likely to. Beautiful. Last night, I was kind of inundated with some Super Tuesday stuff. I'm really into politics. I was really okay. into uh, seeing how the races were going. Which member of the Riz show is most likely to not vote? Tony Patrico. What? Yeah. Why? Uh, I'm just the most uninformed when it comes to politics. Interesting. Now, I, I probably will vote, and it, and it'll be one of those things where, you know, the week before, I will sit there and I will try and get as informed as I possibly can, but I tend to just turn a blind eye to it. And I don't know why. I know it's awful, and I should pay attention to it. I mean, it's our future. Hello. Uh, you have kids. I have, I have children. <laughs> but it's just always... My entire life, I've always just been like, son of a bitch, enough already. Yeah. So it's either me or King Scott. And the reason I I say King Scott is because he just probably doesn't know how. (laughs) 
That's true. But you're right. Politics does get really heavy, especially now. And you don't even oftentimes want to open that door and have a dialogue with somebody because it gets, I mean, not with me, but with other people, it gets heated. So I feel like people tend to avoid it altogether because they're like, I just don't even want to open this door. Okay, next one. Most likely to cry while watching a reality dating show. Jesus Christ. Tony Patrico. (laughs) I mean, yeah. (laughs) I don't think any of them would ever watch another, you know, reality dating show. And I think I watch all of them. So. And you're like, I cannot believe. I cried during Big Brother once. So. (laughs) Yeah. Why? What happened? I, the guy I wanted to wink, I voted off. And, and you was, just shed a tear for him? BS, yeah. Wow. I cried at the Real Housewives the other day, and I was like, I've got to lock it up. I've got to get control. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, why did you step away from the midday show? I'm like, because I was crying at the Real Housewives. We should, we should, we should mark this down. Okay, marking it. We should have a podcast where we just find like an old 90s, terrible, awful reality show and me and you watch it in real time and just comment on it can it be the real world it could be whatever, whatever. because i would joe lo- millionaire let's I, watch a joe, an episode of joe millionaire i don't even know what that it. is but in obviously what? in joe millionaire i don't know what that is michelle smallman yeah that's right joe millionaire was they took a guy who was a construction worker and then they took him and they told 12 women that he was a millionaire and that they had to win his love and at the end he got to pick who he wanted to marry, and then right before he told them that they won, he had to tell them that he actually was not a millionaire and he only had $33,000 in his bank account. Did the woman stay or go? We'll have to wait and see. Bum, bum, bum. Wow. It was a great show. Wait, I hate the premise of that because I imagine this guy, he's spilling his monster energy, his rehab, ooh. Lemonade plus energy. Yeah, it's tea. It's what? tea. <laughs> wow. But I imagine this guy falling for this girl and choosing her and then her ripping his heart out saying, ugh, you're poor, I'm out. That's the point of the show. But that's terrible. It's awesome. That makes We're sense. watching it. We're watching it. Okay, well, right now I'm binging Love is Blind on Netflix. That's why everybody says to watch that. You gotta that. watch. I'm right. one episode in and I have pages of notes because Saruti, my co-host, texted me and was like, you gotta watch this show. It's nuts. So it's about these people that get put in these pods okay. and you can't see the other person. Oh, I'm in already. So you just talk to them. I'm in. And then once you fall for someone based on their personality and their life experience or your connection, your chemistry, you meet them in real time and see if you like the way that they look. Oh, cool. It's like the voice, but for dating. Exactly. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. So watch it, and I'm gonna we'll, check it out. we're going to do a podcast on that. Okay. Next one. Most likely to fist fight a coworker. Riz. Riz. Oh yeah. Riz is the one with the temper, without question. He's self admitted. He's the one that will will fly off the handle the quickest. Has it ever gotten close with anybody? Because you guys are brothers, and brothers fight. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, we've we've definitely screamed at each other. I think everybody on the show has at one point screamed at the other one. Uh, never to the point where it's gonna get physical or anything like that. But if there was an opportunity for it to get there, I think it would be Riz that would would do it. But it would take a lot. I mean, it would take a lot. Is there a member of the show that you wouldn't want to fight? Like fist fight, where you're like, man, he would take me down. <laughs> um. In all reality, if I had to pick one, I would probably say Moon, just because that he's a little squirrely some bitch. Spider Man, man. Yeah, I, I think I, I think he's unpredictable. <laughs> totally, uh, I would love to see that fight. By the way, uh, maybe pay per view one day. Maybe, maybe. Okay, who's the guy on the show who's the most likely to just walk away from all of this one day? Just one day, wake up and say, you know what, it's been a good run. Moon. And I think uh, there's a couple reasons why I say that. Number one is. Uh, who knows what, what could ever happen with the band stuff? True. 
There could be all of a sudden where somebody comes up and goes, here's a massive contract. We want you to tour across the country, uh, hell, the world, and you're going to have to leave. And he went, okay, I'm out. Uh, I also say Moon because it wouldn't surprise me if Moon was like, hey, I'm going to Montana and I'm living in a cabin. And I'd go, okay. I wouldn't. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. And how crazy that there's such a vastness there that he could move to Montana, shut it down, or go on tour with yeah. his band and be a massive rock star. Right. That's that's just how he is. That's wow. who he is. Many layers. You guys all have many layers. We sure do. Okay, who's the most likely to have a burner account? Ooh, that's a good one, too. What is the purpose of the burner account? It could be multi-purpose. It Ooh, man. See, I didn't know if it was for malicious purposes. No, if it, it was it could be to see sal- what... Salacious yeah, purposes. Yeah, it, it could be to... Um, see what people think about you without having to be you. It could be to defend yourself if people were saying Ooh, things man, about I, you. I'm going to be a, a completely honest with you. I would say all of us. I really would say all of us because as much as, you know, you'll hear somebody say, oh, well, I don't care what they say about us or, you know, I don't really I don't really care all that much. I think probably least likely would be Riz just because I truly think he does not give a shit. Yeah, and I listen to the show in the mornings yeah. now, and he always talks about how he's so over social media. Right. He's over all I, this. I he think, doesn't post think, his kids. He yeah, talks about I, that all the time. I think he's the one that could be like, whatever. Say what you want to say. I don't care. But I think like myself, Burton, Moon, and and essentially King Scott, maybe not even King Scott, because I think he's so innocent that I think he, he honestly is like, everybody loves me. I'm King Scott. Everybody loves me. So I would say- He's got that virginal mentality. Yeah, the three of us, myself, Moon, and Burton, we all have that, uh, you know, that mentality like, who, what are you saying about me? Who's saying what? Why is saying that? What's their background? What's going on with that? Well, I don't want to look at him. No, no, no. But maybe, you know, Ron Mexico over here does want to look at him, you know? So I think between the three of us, that's a one, if not all three, one of us for sure. If you had a burner account, what would your alter ego's name be? Wade Diamond. (laughs) You had that at the ready. That's, that's, it's- if I ever need to disappear, you search for Wade Diamond. That's me. I'm going to go and be like, why is Wade Diamond like in all my photos on Instagram? <laughs> why do I have 32 for the longest time, DMs my twi- from Wade Diamond? For the longest time, my Twitter display name was Wade Diamond. <laughs> That's a true story. I love that. Okay, two more. In that same vein, who's the most likely to be catfished? King Scott. Old King Scott. Oh, I changed that. Now it's Jeff Burton. And I don't think it's going to be catfished like, oh, hey, I, I think Jeff Burton's like, man, this guy says that he knows Wayne Gretzky and he wants to meet Wayne. <laughs> he wants Wayne Gretzky to meet me at McDonald's. I'm going to meet him at noon. And then he shows up and it's just some guy there to sell him, you know, Tupperware. But I think Jeff Burton would be the one that would fall for that. I or love to Jeff. kidnap him. He's just sometimes clueless, but I love Jeff. Jeff's amazing. When I was talking to him about the question for you, mm-hmm. one of the things I was going to do is most likely to get arrested while naked. No, it's Jeff. That's what he was like. Don't use that one because it's me and it's happened. It's this whole story. Yeah, oh yeah. That's for sure. He's told like, that okay, story great. multiple times. Well, he just told me and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and that's that's a deep tease for the listeners because we're going to have to have him on to tell it. Oh, yeah. It is a tale. It's a tale and you aren't, it sounds like, even after he tells it, with every detail that he provides, you go, wow, that's a really good made-up story. And it's not. And that's our Jeff. Last one. You guys are celebrities in your own right. Which one of you is the most likely to be starstruck by someone else? Good question. Thank you. I do this for a living. Um, <laughs> are you saying to be starstruck by, like, they run into somebody and, wow. Because you guys, all you deal with musicians, yeah. comedians, athletes, and 
more than any other show I've probably ever listened to, when those guys come on your show, they're so pumped to be on your show. Oh, yeah. Like, we've heard from multiple people that they sit there and they go, wow, this is the most fun that we've had doing radio or TV. Yes. They view it as, wow, we're going on the Riz show. Mm -hmm. And you guys are like, oh, Kevin Shenkirk or whomever is on with us. It's not, you guys never seem affected by anyone. So I want to know which one of you is most likely to be affected by someone. Well, it's funny because so when it comes to sports guys, when it comes to sports figures, Riz gets very starstruck. Have you ever heard Riz's Derek Jeter story? No, tell me. So he was in New York, and they were, because Riz is from New York. Yes. They were in New York visiting family, and they were going out to eat. And they were walking into a restaurant, and Derek Jeter was walking out of the restaurant. And they literally were almost shoulder to shoulder, and all Riz could do was go, Derek Jeter! <laughs> and that's all he said. That was it. That was the moment. Okay? So oh it's, it's silly. Uh, when but you think about that moment, what you would do, and exactly. he just squeaked out Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. That's all. That's all you got. What did Jeter? Did he turn Went around? Right into the cab and see you later. Oh man, um, what a bummer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's it's funny because like so when it comes to athletes, it's Riz for sure. When it comes to like, and this is this is also really silly, but there's a podcaster out there named Dan Cummins. And he does like historical podcasts, but he does it in a really fun and and whimsical way and tells it like it is. Moon, when Moon first met him, was starstruck by him because it was somebody he was really into. Yeah. Certain bands, Jeff is really, really starstruck when it comes to that. Certain bands that come in, especially old school bands, like when The Offspring came in and things like that, those are opportunities to where I know Jeff gets a little starstruck. For me, it's, it's weird. It's like the... I'm the youngest guy on the show, not by much. Like, Moon's 37, and I'm about to be 35. So I get starstruck when it's the younger people that are in here. Like, uh, we had Jay Farrow on the other day, or a couple months ago, and I was like, holy crap, like, th- that's Jay Farrow right there. Like, that is, I am freaking out right now about Jay Farrow. The most starstruck I've ever been in my career is when I interviewed Fred Durst. That's Fred Durst, Limb Biscuit is still. If I had to plan a concert where I had to pick, let's say four bands, Limp Biscuit would be one of those four. Are bands. Are they headlining? Yeah. Wow. Right now they are headlining. But I mean, yeah. we grew up around the same time. Right. Limp Biscuit was everything. Huge, massive, massive. Everybody loved Limp Biscuit back yeah. then. I mean, remember when he dated Britney Spears? I do. Yeah, for Wrote sure. Wrote a song about it. Yeah, sure did. So <laughs> that was when I was starstruck. Athletes don't do anything for me. I mean, like, obviously, I respect what they do, but I don't get nervous around athletes. I don't get, and I think maybe working in the sports world, doing the, you know, the DJ stuff, that helped a little bit. But, like, that doesn't bother me. I don't know who in the hell King Scott would get starstruck by. There's got to be someone. Jesus. I guess Jesus. so. Weird Al Yankovic, maybe. Does he love Weird Al? Did you say Jesus? Yes, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> The pastor at All Saints. That's who King Scott would get would get starstruck by. I don't know why I said Jesus, but. I think everybody would get starstruck if they met Jesus. If, yeah. any, if Jesus came down and walked into the studio right now and you went, oh, what's up? I would never talk to you again because there is clearly something very wrong with well, you. He's one of us. I mean. Is he? <laughs> No, he's the son of God. No, but here's the thing about Jesus, though. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. If Jesus descended from the sky and came down, wouldn't it be your first inclination to think, wait, am I dying? 
I wouldn't think it was real, right? So I think that's why I wouldn't be as starstruck in that moment because it would be no. <laughs> the end of times or something. This is so dark <laughs> and so deep. Oh, my God. This is so dark. So I'm hanging out, sitting on my back patio, listening to some tunes. All of a sudden, good old JC starts coming down. I look up. I'm like, what is this? Is he there coming he down is. on a cloud in your and mind? He goes, and he goes, bloop, right down on my patio. Sup. And I literally <laughs> would go, bro. And he'd go, yeah, what's up? What, what's going on? And I'm not kidding you. And I've thought about this before. I would literally go, 9-11. What the hell was that? You've like, thought about this before? Yeah. I would go, if you had the- one question for Jesus, you'd ask about 9-11. Come on. Like, I'd go, what the hell was that? What are you going to ask him? I'm going to be like. What's up? Can I get the VIP entrance to heaven? I don't want to say purgatory. What if heaven sucks? What if heaven sucks? Well, then it would be hell. Says who? How do you know? Jesus. See, something happened. <laughs> and I want to know why he thought that was okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. You're coming down now. See, I'm a, selfish. You're, you're coming down now on a Wednesday at 3 p.m. as I'm sitting on my back porch listening to Bryce Vine. That's when you're coming down? What about 9-11? You couldn't have came down and go, hey, yo. Let's divert these planes. Good point. But then he'd say, what was I supposed to do in World War II? You know, Hitler. Other countries have had their chef, Patrico. Michelle, this ain't your thought process. <laughs> this is mine, okay? No, I'm acting as Jesus. Wow, okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just rebutting Whoa, as if I'm I was Jesus. i to be on this podcast. <laughs> you, you didn't know that I'm moonlighting as Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> Look at this. Jesus is asking me questions now. But do you think Jesus would be like, listen, Tony, I get where you're coming from, but, you know, what about World War II? What about genocide? What, you know, Nelson Mandela could be asking the same questions, bro. You know what? That's a great point, but uh, that's not the question I asked him. <laughs> See, I would be so selfish. I would just be like, do I have a good spot in heaven? I wouldn't want to know. You wouldn't. But what it's if he Jesus. says no? Then it is what it is. Then you look back and you go, cool. All that stuff I just did for the past X amount of years of my life has meant nothing. But don't you think if Jesus comes down and he sits on your patio, that means you're going to heaven and you... Or what if he's coming down and go, wow, you really messed this up? <laughs> You really blew it. Hey, remember that one time in 2006? That was the moment. You, you really it. screwed it up. You blew it. <laughs> it took me forever to find you, but here I am, and you blew it. No, I'm going to be thinking all day. If Jesus uh, no. came down, what would I ask him? I have a question for you. Okay, go. And then this, we can wrap it up after okay, this. Okay, let's wrap it up. This is a this. good question. So NASA says that in April of, uh, the 29th of April, there is a meteor that's going to pass by the Earth 300 miles away. But if it would have hit Earth, it's an Earth destroyer. Yeah. Like, we all would be gone. Sure. Would you want to know? No. 100% no. See, that's exactly what I said. And Moon said he'd want to know. And I said, why? And he goes, because I'd like to get things together. I'd like to maybe take a trip. And I go, bro, if they told us that a meteor was going to wipe out the planet in a month, yeah. nobody's going to give a damn about anything. You ain't vacationing because the riots are going to have you not be able to leave your house. You want to find out what Walking Dead is like? Tell the world that it will not exist in 29 days. 100%. People are going to go bananas. people are going to go nuts. And your anxiety is going to be through the roof. Your last month on Earth, you'd be miserable. It would be the least productive time on this planet because nobody would want to do anything. Everybody would quit their job. Well, who's going to turn on the electric? Nobody. Who cares? No oh, need for it. Great point. No need for it. Where's my mail? You don't need mail. No, who cares? You think the garbage man's coming on Tuesday? He's not. He's not. 29 days, we're all dead. Who cares? <laughs>
What would be the first thing you stopped doing if you found out? Mm. I got to tell you, I'm not working out ever again. Oh, you bet your ass. Uh, listen, the first thing I would do <laughs> is I would drink a Coke. Is that where you miss the most, Coke? Well, I, I just I can't do bubbles anymore. I can't do anything with carbonation. So I would drink an ice-cold soda. A regular Coke, too. Just regular. Either regular Pepsi Ooh. or regular Coke. You know what? To be honest with you, if I'm if this is a dream scenario, yeah. I'm taking one of those Mexican Coke, the glass Coke bottles, oh, yeah. and I'm putting that in the freezer for a little bit, Ooh. and I'm taking it out, I'm popping that bad boy open, and I'm taking it down. I think I'm getting a jar of Nutella and a spoon, and I'm just posting it up. <laughs> Fantastic. I was working out yesterday, and I was like, this is the pits. It's stupid. I, I started walk, I started walking my dog as, like, I'm, like, about a mile and a half away from my house, and I'm like, damn it, now I got to go back. This is dumb. And then you're at three miles, and you yeah, had a great day. Cool. Because we're going to— This is a great day. Well, you know, it has been a great day because you joined me on this podcast. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for you doing this. No problem. Anytime you need me to come on here, let me know, and I'll try and get Jeff to come in for, for <laughs> me, okay? Sounds good. <laughs> Sit back. Relax. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. It's time for a review on the Small Talk Podcast with Michelle Smallman. Brought to you by Land Rover St. Louis. Time for a review. Before we do that, we need to welcome in Anthony. He is here. Hello, Anthony. Hola. The last time I spoke to you, I was getting ready to go to a boxing event at the Missouri Athletic Club. Did it change your life? It did not change my life, but it was a super fun event. And I'll tell you this. We had talked about how I'd never seen boxing up close and personal, IRL, in real life. I was cringing a lot of the time. These guys can really handle a punch, okay? If someone hit me like that one time, I'd be in the fetal position crying. Yeah, I mean, they train for it, so... I understand. I understand all of that. But you have to have a pretty specific mental makeup if your idea of a fun recreational activity is that you want to get punched in the face several times a day. It was a very fun event. It reminded me of taking a step back into time because you walked in and the Missouri Athletic Club, this grand ballroom, boxing ring in the middle, all of these tables around, everyone smoking cigars, having cocktails. They were dressed to the nines. Did you go back to 73? Honestly, it felt like I was in the 60s. You sure this wasn't the chase? Were you at the chase watching wrestling? Were you in the right place? No, I was in the right place. I expected some dude to sit next to me and be like, how you doing, cupcake? What's the news? <laughs> how you doing there, broad? <laughs> But it was Dame. it was very fun and uh, good event. But I know we had talked about it, and so I needed to circle back and just update you on the fact that I really respect people that say, you know what I'm going to do in my spare time? Get punched in the face. So you're not going to like get a boyfriend and then go out and flirt with other guys and try to get them to fight as like your new kink? It's not going to happen? <laughs> no. no? Not going to be a thing? No, that is not my new jam. Okay. All right, just checking. And to all the prospective gentlemen out there, don't <laughs> worry. I'm not going to get lit and then cause a fight in a bar. Time to toughen up now for Michelle Smallman. Or will I? Oh. <laughs> okay, let's get to the review. This is Tony from St. Louis who says, Go Battlehawks, Kakaw, five stars. Kakaw. He says, I met Michelle at the Battlehawks game on 229 during my on-field pass experience. She couldn't have been nicer. She let my dad and I both take a picture with her. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. My name is Tony Richards. Keep up the excellent work. Shout out Tony Richards. I did meet him on the field. He and his dad were wonderful. He ran up to me and said, oh, my God, huge fan of the podcast, which I always think is very cool to meet very cool. pod fans out it's in, very intimate relationship. in the wild. It is an intimate relationship. Mm -hmm. And I've met a ton of podcast fans out in St. Louis, and it's always when I least expect it. Because normally I expect them to say, hey, I listened to the radio station, or I loved you with Bernie, or when you worked with Rosillo. But when someone's like, I love your podcast, 
I get more excited than they do. It's very cool. It's for like me. a little baby. Like, oh, you like my baby? Uh-huh. Yeah. Thank you. And you're not just saying it because I'm forcing you to look at pictures of it. Mm-hmm. They brought it up first, exactly. Uh, Anthony, have you been to a Battlehawks game yet? Uh, no, I'm trying to go to this L.A. one since they opened up the, the top uh, floors. You need to get to a game. I need to get to a game. What's up? You got tickets on the Lolo? I do, but they're already spoken oh, for. It's no producer love. Especially the L.A. game, though, you know? That's what I'm saying. I was going to show up for that one big Those time. Those are spoken for. I was supposed to go to the home opener, um, but uh, I had Mardi Gras the day before. Oh, yeah. And I'm also old now. Yes. I learned that recently. Yes. Which, by the way, speaking of being old, I have uh, come to work four times since the new year with my uh, fly down. So, just to be clear, I'm terrible at the age of 34 at remembering anything. Wait, do you fly on your pants? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's been a terrible year. Terrible year to find out what 34 feels like. I forget things. I hurt myself getting up from the toilet, which is why I didn't make it to the Battlehawks game. It is a terrible year. Okay, wait. A lot to process here and circle back on. First of all, when you come in, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times with your fly down, do you notice it or has someone alerted to you like, hey, Thankfully, man, I noticed it, wind. but I'm assuming other people saw it too and were just like, up, oh, Anthony, eh, whatever. And you're, Anthony, an incredibly tall guy. I know, which so, is, it freaks me out. So, so like, your fly being down is might be at some people's eye line. As conscious <laughs> as I am about uh, the possibility of people looking up and seeing like boogers in my nose, I additionally freaked out about my fly now. Like I'm constantly checking four times a day just to make sure I didn't forget another time. Like I how it happened. This is an easy process to put on pants, buckle, and zip. It just doesn't happen. Okay, so as a female, I've never had that happen. What? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's a process, right? We don't just unzip our fly and go to the bathroom. So to okay. to reassemble, zipping the fly is part of the process. So for you with your fly down, do not catch a breeze in that area? Well, you, do you well, not feel it down? So I used to live in Florida for three years, and the Florida trick is you always wear basketball shorts underneath because you never know when a game's going to pop off. And I never forgot that mentality. So I still wear basketball shorts. Holy shit. Okay. Again, deep dive. <laughs> You're telling me in Florida, people in the Florida humidity are rocking basketball shorts under their jeans in case a pickup game of hoops pops off. Underneath sweatpants. We'd wear sweatpants with them rolled up to the knees or we'd wear sweatpants shorts. Um, old schools. Uh, what were they called? School of Hard Knocks is, is the, the brand of, of the clothing company that we used to buy. And then underneath it would be some basketball shorts. Because everyone from Florida is like like New Yorkers. So everyone was just like, oh, you don't ball? You don't ball? Come on, son, you don't ball? So I had, I had to be ready to ball. Honestly, I didn't. Like, I knew ball was life, but that is when ball is actually life. Okay, yes. so one more thing we need to go back to. You injured yourself getting off the uh, toilet. I think I think it's because I'm tall and the toilet's low. Yeah. I think that's the case. It's a deep squat. Also, I'm I'm old. I think that's what it is. I need, you're 34. You're not old. That's I, youthful. I need to I need to, I need to uh, stretch more. Is probably what it is. Pilates, it is. perhaps. Pilates sounds nice. I always just thought that used to be in water, though. I didn't know that was out of the water situation. No, that's water aerobics. Pilates. Uh, we talked about this, Anthony. I I believe I was with you. I did the podcast on the Megaformer. Remember the? It's like a machine that you get on that, that you do Pilates movements. It helps oh, you yeah, stretch, yeah, yeah. and I that it's insane. I run half marathons. I'm, I'm <laughs> Excuse thinking, me. I know. Excuse I know me. that was an unbelievably annoying comment I just made, but I'm just saying. I have two breakfasts, so. Good for you. Jealous. But <laughs> my point is, is that I'm sneaky athletic. I can run 13 miles kind of at the drop of a hat. I did this Pilates class, and mm. it was the most intense workout I've ever done. You look at it, and you're like, okay, I'm going to get on this machine and stand in this pose for 30 seconds. Easy. Snooze. No. Maybe seven seconds in, your body starts shaking. 
violently mm. because of the movements that you're doing and you have to hold it. So you're just shaking and you leave there and you think, wow, that was tough. And then you wake up the next morning and you say, my God, I cannot get out of bed. Because okay. you, you're working muscles that are never activated. It's right. crazy. So we need to get you on the megaformer. We're doing a little Pilates activity. Is you there a I. mega megaformer for a guy of my size or is it one megaformer fits all? Great question. And I believe it's one size fits all, and I believe you would fit on the Megaformer. It's a very big machine. Cool. Are all we right. going to do a Pilates date? I mean, if, if you want to. My other favorite kind of date is Tometi's, where I go get uh, tamales and get a Medicure and a pedicure. So it's Tometi day. We're doing both. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're doing. We're doing double breakfast. Okay. Pilates, tamales, Manny Petty. Manny Petty. Okay, cool. That's it's a our great, day. That's a great day. Anthony Michelle's really day, day of fun. It's a super great day. Oh, my God. When is this going to happen? Um, as soon as you don't have a cacao to worry about on a Sunday. Deal. Huh? Done. Cool. Also, I feel like you have such a great voice. To end this out, can you give me a very great cacao? Cacao! I love that. Thank you. Cacao, indeed. Cacao. Thank you to Anthony. Thank you to Tony Patrico. And thank you for listening. We're going to be back in action next week with Saruti. He texted me this week. He said, yo. Have you watched Love is Blind on Netflix? And I said, no. What the hell is that? I Google it. It's a reality dating show. Steve said, you need to binge it. It's insane. We have to do a pod breakdown. So when Steve Cerruti texts me and says, you need to watch a reality dating show so we can talk about it, guess what I'm going to do? Watch a reality dating show so we can talk about it. I'm two episodes in, and it's the craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Are they actually blind? No. They're calling oh. it Love is Blind because you're in a pod and the premise of it is that you can only talk to someone you can't see what they look like physically. Oh, dude, I would win that so hard. Yeah, you would thrive in the pods, for sure. So would I. Steve actually texted me verbatim and said, you would thrive in the pods. And nice. I would. I would nice. thrive in the pods. But think about that. You fall for someone based on their personality. How many people say, looks don't matter to me. I only care about personality. But that you're saying that after you've seen someone, mm -hmm. in this premise, you literally fall for your own personality and mental connection with someone based on who they are, their life experience, etc. And then once you're in love, you get to see what they look like. It is intense. That's a training in picking up all the secondary communication stuff too, because it's more than just talking to somebody. It's their tone. It's yep. how they say it. Yep. It's where they laugh and how they laugh. It's all that other extra shit. Like, oh, it's intricate. It is. Okay. I might watch it too then. I was going to say you should tune in so that when we do the reviews after I tape with Steve, you and I can download too. All right. All right. I'll look at it. Love it. We will be back in action next week, but until then, keep it real. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.